Hi guys, welcome to Supposedly Adults. We're four supposed adults making sense of the world, learning how to be a slightly better person, and just trying to make life suck less. That's right. So I'm Jensen. I'm Melody. This is Calvin. And this is Luris. And the random question is: Am I funny enough to be a comedian? Hey guys! Hi. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hi. So we're very excited that my friend Ali is joining us on the podcast today. So Ali is an engineer, is a PhD student, and is also a comedian. So he's super cool. <laughs> so we're very excited to have you here today, man. Uh, hey, man. Hey, 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 Calvin. Hey, Lyris. Uh, glad to be here. You make me sound very special. You are. You are. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. I, honestly, I cannot believe you agreed to do this. Um, thank you for joining this craziness with us. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. I, I'm actually happy to be here. It's very exciting for me. Yeah, but yeah, honestly, um, I really want to ask you this because earlier you told me that you are a or you did stand up comedy, and I found it fascinating. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, I know I'm not funny enough to be a comedian, so I want to know what is it like to be a comedian. Um. Yeah. Okay. Uh. I I think I gotta go back a little bit. Um. So growing up um, in Iran, I always thought I was funny. I think everybody thinks they're <laughs> funny, but actually, I made people laugh. And okay. like, I, I I used to do like impressions and stuff. Like, um, there was a famous TV show, and there was a character that people like. I, I used to imitate them, like when we gather around in with relatives and stuff. But like. The idea of like I never knew what a stand-up comedy is. Um, if you do that, you're a clown, and like it's very, um, yeah, yeah, like, like it, like parents don't like their kids to to be that way. So, <laughs> like, um, yeah, and I was always told by like my my parents and like elderly uh, that like I'm letting people make make fun of me. Um, so I never really understood what comedy is and how powerful it can be Mm -hmm. Um, until I think it was four years ago around the same time it was like I think mid-November I guess um, that there was this uh, newspaper that had this online version Mm -hmm. um, like Iranian newspaper uh, that I used to like read all the time and I really enjoyed it Mm-hmm. Um, they had this online comedy version that they had a competition. They uh, put out a picture that said, like, write a caption for this image in, like, 15 words or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I participated in that. And I got the first place both by judges and people who voted, like, around, like, 10,000 oh, people okay. voted. Whoa. Yeah. So that was my like, okay, maybe I am really funny. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like I was I was starting to become familiar with with uh, like what stand-up comedy is and like uh, western stand-up comedians like Trevor Noah, J- Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, mm-hmm. people like that. I love Trevor Noah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, little by little um, I started uh, writing jokes in Farsi, um, mm-hmm. which was my first language, and it worked well, it made sense. Um, 
I got like around 2,000 subscribers. Um, but then, like, like where? I always wanted subscribers. To, where? Uh, like in Telegram, there's this uh, version. Like there's this app, messaging app that like all Iranians are there. Oh wow! And then okay. um, yeah, I started a channel writing jokes. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Uh, about being so it's a like student writ, like writ, like written jokes like, like yeah small, written like jokes yeah, okay. yeah yeah like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. or like captions or written jokes um mm -hmm. um yeah it was it was interesting when i started um i started because i was a student um i've been a student for the past like 12 years <laughs> and i had like yeah. a lot of a lot of built up i, I guess resentments so they came <laughs> yeah, out as yeah. jokes <laughs> yeah, they came yeah, out yeah. as jokes I like know, people I liked it yeah. yeah um people liked it so i started that and then um one thing i wanted to do was that to be funny in english mm -hmm. that was my issue because like i always thought of jokes in farsi and like in in parties and stuff people yeah. would talk about something and i would think about something funny, mm -hmm. but then it would be way too late to tr like, I would think it in Farsi and translate it and the moment is gone and it right. would be awkward yeah. to say mm -hmm. the joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my wife bought me a gift certificate for um, Second City, actually oh. two years ago. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. A, a comedy school in Toronto. Um, yeah, I went to that and that was my first, uh, official entrance in, in stand-up comedy. That's so cool. So you, so you just got into comedy because like, you think you're funny and you like, like to make people laugh, right? Yeah. So there is another underlying reason. Um, mm -hmm. so when I started watching stand-up comedy, uh, without any, any idea of what it is or any idea of if someday I'm going to go in there. Mm -hmm. um, I started with Trevor Noah, and I I saw how powerful comedy can be mm -hmm. um, in in breaking some barriers in in yes. removing mm -hmm. stigma. Right, I remember that story he told about like his grandfather or his father with like the the, the police. Like that's yeah, the story exactly. About like yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah do you want to tell that story that. yet? <laughs> no, no, I don't think uh, okay. I don't think I remember it fully. Like yeah. I, I think everybody should watch it on on YouTube. Um, when I watched his work, I realized comedy is too powerful. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, um, uh, it's much more powerful than saying like words, uh, like seriously, because when you talk seriously, people get offended. Mm -hmm. But when you joke and use levity, that was the key word that I learned levity, mm -hmm. um, yeah, people understand it. People laugh, but they actually think about it too. Like when he talked about when when he has a like a set in U.S. and says um, the girl in the ocean thinks I have AIDS because I just because that. I'm yeah. I'm from Africa. From Africa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you laugh <laughs> at it, yeah. but you actually feel the ignorance mm -hmm. in that, yes. and that's that's like that's when I decided to use comedy for that reason. That's cool. But I guess, and then earlier you kind of touched on a little bit, you said that a lot of your material come from having all the angst of being a student. Like, I guess, is that how you come up with your material? Yeah. Um, actually, uh, a few years ago, I was talking to uh, a therapist 
and this is this that's what he actually mentioned that um comedy is actually a healthy way to show your emotions mm. and mostly anger so if you're angry um somebody starts painting somebody mm-hmm. starts like uh, writing poems um somebody goes and fights with another person <laughs> uh, somebody right. like goes to gym um and another way is comedy mm-hmm. and when you are a graduate student for a long time um uh i started my masters in 2015 yeah i had one year of break and then i started phd yeah. in 2018 so uh when you're a graduate student for that long time there's a lot of anger <laughs> right definitely <laughs> for so yeah. many reasons yeah. for so yeah. many reasons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i channeled them instead of like um going out and shouting at my advisors and uh people in my lab i channeled that into comedy and and when people right. when people resonate with that joke um it just it feels like okay i'm not alone but i found it hard like let's say i'm really angry how do you try to be funny at the same time like you know if i'm angry i'm just kind of all over my head so how do you still channel that like i i don't yeah for me it's like a full like a like a defense mechanism like in like awkward situations like yeah. like incredibly uncomfortable situation i'll crack a joke that's like my defense mechanism <laughs> like somebody died and i'm like here's a joke you know like that's <laughs> that's like i feel like that's a i don't know if it's healthy but i don't know i do it but yeah. i don't know like what, what do you do it how do you do it actually i do make a lot of awkward jokes when they're silent right. <laughs> yeah 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 that's like That's one of the downsides of thinking you're funny. Yeah. Uh, right. you, make, you try to make jokes all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Which sometimes it's not good. Sometimes like <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten into trouble because of like like people thinking that you're just like inappropriate in the time of making jokes? Right? Oh yeah, a lot. Especially especially since I came to Canada like uh mm-hmm. because I didn't know like um sometimes I would make jokes in a bad time. and then people yeah i i did make a few bad first impressions because i because of my jokes <laughs> i mean that's part of being a comedian you have to you know get people talking i don't know oh, yeah i guess <laughs> but like yeah people have different thresholds right um, yeah so yeah i i try to work on that a little i think i i, I think i got better i think I, i'm not sure <laughs> right <laughs> uh, but but like Honestly, I don't know how I channel my anger into comedy. It's like I think um when I want to write about something, mm-hmm. it it suddenly comes out funny. Um mm-hmm. I remember I was in uh English class when I was like uh 16 or something. Mm-hmm. Um and the teacher asked me to write a, a complaining letter. to the owner of a restaurant that you went to and you weren't satisfied mm. how would you write that and i wrote something and mm-hmm. i thought it was angry and then at the time like i was 16 i didn't know like comedy and stuff like that yeah, yeah. um so i i i just started writing and then i read it in class and everybody was laughing <laughs> like people were laughing and it's just yeah, yeah. having a good time and then the teacher was like if you write that letter as a way of complain yeah. nobody would take it seriously because they think you're just making jokes and being funny so that's the thing when i start writing i have to 
if I want to write seriously, mm-hmm. I have to try harder than writing in in jokes. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. easier for me to just start writing in jokes. <laughs> right. So I like you, I know you do uh, like stand up and like I saw like the Trevor Noah documentary like I know nothing about stand up at first but like, I watched it and I'm like oh there's like a lot of craft that goes into you know stand up like it's different between you know like cracking a few jokes with your friends you know versus like you know doing a whole set you know having like a whole story and you have the whole arc and you to like grab the like audience attention and all that like mm-hmm. like what do you think of that or how do you you know learn the craft of stand up like from like your normal jokes you know yeah that that's the thing that's why i took the class actually uh when i was writing for my um telegram channel i didn't have to think about the science of comedy mm-hmm. because people would read a passage and then there are points in there that are funny and the whole story is funny right mm-hmm. but then what i learned in in class was that no when people come to stand up show Like you have to have a plan. You have to start with a premise, mm-hmm. and then the body, and then the punchline. Like you have to do that. Like it's mm-hmm. not just people can't. People won't wait for like three, four minutes, yeah. and then until like at the end they can laugh. Mm-hmm. You have to tell jokes in that way. So um, what I started doing, and what they suggested, and it worked for me, was that I, I carried a notebook mm-hmm. uh, around, and then I started. Uh, seeing things that were funny and writing them down mm-hmm. okay this could be a premise this can be a premise uh being like toronto's ttc sucking can be a premise yeah. <laughs> and then uh okay toronto ttc sucks and everyone knows that what's the body and then okay what's the punchline now um what i noticed for my first stand-up was that self-deprecating jokes would be much easier to to create mm-hmm. because well i know myself pretty well yeah and i know like what what parts of me can be funny so i started i started writing um things that way but yeah there is there is a like there is a, a structure to it mm-hmm. um and that's when i started i have this notebook and i carry it around everywhere now and i start writing stuff And then I try it on people. I, I send it to my friends um, to see if they find it funny. Mm-hmm. And since my friend know that my friends know that I do comedy, they always say no. But <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sometimes they they say yes, it's funny, and I keep those jokes um, mm. for like when I want to do a set or, or something. Yeah. Nice. But I'm just curious because do you think? You just need to find things that are universally funny because, you know, like you said, you you kind of grew up in Iran and then now you move to Canada and then there's like cultural differences. Like, do you find do you need to find things that are universally funny or like you know? Yeah, because that's like the same question I have because I I actually watched your stand up, uh, uh, your oh. stand up say yeah, <laughs> and I saw that like a lot of the jokes are like. Um, you know, like a lot of it, like uh, like surrounds your own culture and your own identity, which is like great. I love that. Um, because a lot of com- like like drawing from personal experience is always great. But I'm just like like wondering, like you're doing it to a room full of like white people. Like, do they like, understand <laughs> like the jokes? Like, and I'm just always like, does it translate or does it like does it like make it harder or do you have to like end up relying on you know stereotypes so that people understand? Like, how do you find that balance? Um, actually, it's an um. Interesting question. So, um, there are very huge differences. Like, 
for example, Iranians are generally very hard to make them laugh. Like okay. very difficult. Like <laughs> they're not like um, they're, they they get comedy a lot, mm -hmm. but you have to be good at it. Like okay. if you're not funny, they will just don't laugh. I make you feel bad. <laughs> okay, they don't have to be polite, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, what I like, if uh, I'm glad you brought up my 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 stand up. Um, the thing is, if I wanted to do that set in, for example, like um, Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. I would never be successful. The reason yeah. it worked, I, I hope it worked. In uh, in Toronto is that people in Toronto have a lot of interactions with uh, Middle Eastern people, mm. like people from Iran, right, people right, from right. like uh, Arabic countries. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you have to be careful. Like um, like I wanted to uh, see like what's funny everywhere, and then when you uh, see stand up comedies from from England, it's mm -hmm. very different than from the states. Yeah, like, they use different jokes. Um, different uh, impersonations and stuff like that. So that's one of the key aspects. Like you have to actually know your audience. If you guys go to my Telegram channel and if I translate the jokes, most of them won't be funny to you guys. Mm. Most of right. them. A lot of them, like you, like there are some that you resonate because like you guys have been like graduate students and stuff. So you resonate mm -hmm. with the struggle. Yeah. But there are some words, there are some things that I use in those jokes that if you translate, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like, how do you actually get on stage and like look at full room people? How do you just like get up the get a courage and just get on stage? It's like, OK, I'm going to make you laugh. Like, how do you have that confidence? How, like, how do you become? And you also kind of need to be vulnerable in front of them to open up and then kind of talk about your things. right? Like, how do you do that? Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's like, um, it's not easy. Um, I know I've like, I, in my life, I've been always like center of, uh, center of attention in parties and like making jokes with people like in front of people, but, but like going on stage, <clears throat> sorry, it's very difficult. And, um, but the practice helped actually a lot. Uh, when we were in class, we practiced uh, our jokes in front of like 15 people who were actually going on stage too. Um, so they were like very supportive. Um, they, they commented on our jokes. It, it helped a little, but then on that day we went up and it was very difficult. Um, I knew there were like some familiar faces in the audience. My, my wife was there. Some of my friends were there. Um, and generally that particular audience wanted to be supportive. Um, so that made it a little easier. But then people who know me, who watched the video afterwards, like my friends, my cousins and stuff, uh, when they saw the video, uh, they all told me that you walked too much from side to side. And when I thought about it, I realized that was my method to, to reduce my anxiety. It was my coping mechanism. Because if I stood up in one place still, I, like my body would shake. That's how stressed out I was. Um, but then 
little by little, it gets easier. But then I did two uh, like uh, open mics in 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 bars in Toronto, uh, where your audience is like are like other comedians who want to get up stage, and that was way too scary <laughs> because because like they all share their Instagram. They're like, well, they have all done more than you. They're they're good, and then you're just you feel like you're being judged by them and then that's yeah, very difficult and and yeah that's um that was very difficult. but being vulnerable i think um it's a good teaching moment like you learn a lot about yourself about how you cope and how you can be vulnerable because i think if you are able to be vulnerable in front of people then there are a lot of things you can do. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to be just comedy, right? You can be vulnerable in different ways, but like I, I think it's a it's a very powerful moment for you. So like, do you have? I I'm just curious because like a, a, a guilty pleasure of mine is like watching really really bad stand up. Like I watch RuPaul's <laughs> Drag Race and they have like you know stand up like challenges and people are just so bad and it's like so awkward. Like when it does like she tells a joke and like nobody laughs like crickets like it, it's very uncomfortable but very like fascinating as well so i was just wondering have you ever experienced that before are you like is that your biggest fear or like do you have you ever experienced like a joke not landing or like you know anything i don't know <laughs> you said like ali have you failed tell me how you failed that's what you asked <laughs> no i'm just wondering <laughs> no it's um it, it is a fear like it is a fear of mine Every, I think fear of any comedian, um, not to be funny. Um, the, the comedy set that I did uh, in open mics, um, those were actually uh, very scary, as I said. Like, it's, like they, they didn't laugh at the jokes that I, like, I, 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 I proved them to be funny um, in my stand-up class, but then it wasn't funny when I when I told them there for some reason and I felt like really awkward to continue. And and one of those two times I actually ended my set early oh. because I felt like really awkward to, to continue because nobody nobody um laughed and like it makes you question your jokes and like your very existence. Yeah, your your, yeah, <laughs> your personality. Oh, no. Am I even yeah. am I even funny? Or maybe like people made fun of me to tell me that you're funny to just make me realize painfully that I'm not. And then <laughs> I did a half an hour stand up set uh, in Farsi for the Persian New Year in in Waterloo mm. um, in in 2020 March 2020. Mm. Um, so it was a half hour set, right? That's so long. Yeah. Right? Sounds so yeah. stressful. Just talking to somebody for half an hour sounds stressful. <laughs> so I cannot imagine. Well, as kid, I don't have any problem with that. But the thing was, sure. because of COVID, there were no audience. The audience were in Zoom. So I had like a, a gallery view of some of the people who had their video on. <laughs> and I couldn't hear them. And I was standing there in front of this camera and there were like a few people, like maybe four or five people like uh, working with the cameras and stuff in the room with me. 
And yeah. then everybody else was on this, uh, like on, on my laptop. And I was looking at them. And it was one of the most awkward things <laughs> in my life. Oh, it was yeah. it was difficult. Some of the jokes that I thought would really make them laugh, they didn't even yeah. flinch. Like nothing in Zoom. Like I was <laughs> I was looking at the screen oh, for no. just one one smile. Yeah. Um, some like at moments, my wife she gave me some some smiles. She wasn't also in the she was also <laughs> in the Zoom. Um, yeah. But no, like it was like, and I was speaking for like half an hour. The first, the the first fifteen right. minutes, it was one of the most difficult situations of my my committee meetings were better than that. People <laughs> laughed more in my committee meetings <laughs> than that, and that's when I realized, okay, us Iranians are very difficult to laugh. And like my jokes had to be like funnier, but then after the first 15 minutes, it got a little better. Like I was a bit looser. Um, I learned a lot from that experience, yeah. though. Um, it was it was an amazing experience. Yeah. If I if I wanted to redo it, I wouldn't change my jokes. I, I still believe on those, those jokes, but I will change <laughs> like um, the way I I was dressed, uh, the way I moved. Mm-hmm. Um, where the, the moments I had to pause and continue and stuff like that, I would definitely change those. Uh, but yeah, that was very difficult. Yeah. Um, and then because it was part of a bigger um, uh, ceremony, it was the Persian New Year. Um, actually, yeah. people gave feedback at the end. Um, Wait, yeah, what? I was. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> so I looked. I looked at the feedbacks, uh, the Excel sheet they sent me, and I <laughs> went straight to the comedy segment. And yeah. no, I was relieved. Most of the people were were like really happy about it, but there were okay. like a, a couple, maybe like there were two hundred people listening, and maybe like yeah. ten, fifteen who were like. The son of comedian was awful. It still haunts me to this day. Yeah, but I mean, you have the rest who is like, you know, yeah. Five yeah. Minutes, so yeah, yeah. And like, there's always some people to that, like, some stuff that sticks out. And they were like, right. they gave like written feedbacks of like how unfunny I was. <laughs> like a specific note. Or like, I feel like the delivery of this specific joke, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, oh my God, really? <laughs> but if you have a hater, that means that you made, you made it, you know? Like, yeah, only like <laughs> successful people have haters. So I feel like you made it. Like having haters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you like the written content more or do you enjoy the stand-up comedy more because like i know you told me about this as well where you started a page and you started getting traction uh specifically talking about like you know your personality esfj like the mpti personality so like what which part do you enjoy more do you enjoy the stand-up comedy more or do you enjoy doing written part making memes and things like that more well, I guess to start, sorry, t- maybe tell tell our listener what is this ESFJ page that you made? Yeah, yeah. I will. Um, so it was um, July 2020, uh, the never-ending year 
um, that we were all cooped <laughs> up in our apartment. The, the first lockdown, actually. Um, I've I've known my personality type, like MBTI personality type, for a while, but I realized, well, I was at home and going through Instagram for like uh, ten hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I realized there is a, a, a lack of content for specifically ESFJs. Yeah, and for people who don't know, uh, ESFJ means like extroverted, sensing. Um, judger uh, sorry feeling and judger judger not not as in judgmental as in being uh, decisive i might be judgmental but that's another thing it doesn't have anything <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah 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 um so yeah uh, i i realized there are no like um content online is it a rare personality type for mbti like um, no actually is one of the yeah. most common ones Really? I think the okay. most common personality type, yeah. Oh, okay. I think okay. Um, overall, 12% of population are ESFJs. One one every 10 person um, should be yeah. an ESF, like ESFJ, statistically. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, but there are no content. Um, usually, it's interesting. The rarest types have the most content online. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because they need that, you know. Exactly, exactly. Because like ESFJs yeah. have their community outside. <laughs> they were looking for right. people online. Right, that's true. Yeah. Uh, which was very interesting. Yeah, so um, yeah, I started, I was like, okay, I started. Right. Uh, why not? Like I know some stuff. I'm good at making jokes. And they start creating this page about ESFJs. And that's when I realized how much people were missing something like that and how powerful it is when you try to connect with people on that on on such a personal level mm -hmm. because i just i didn't just write or make memes about like the good things of esfjs or how wonderful it is to be mm -hmm. an esfj i started writing about the dark sides about the vulnerabilities about the issues that ESFJs might have. Mm -hmm. And it warmed my heart. Uh, people were, um, uh, people were noticing the page and like it blew up in a very uh, short period. But to answer your question, Calvin, I, I like both like written um, source form of comedy and mm -hmm. spoken form. I think uh, spoken form can be more powerful um, when you're dealing with like a lot of mm -hmm. stigma and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, written people have less uh, tolerance, less patience to yeah. go through like a paragraph of jokes and like yeah. a with comedy set, uh, but they are more okay mm -hmm. uh, listening to it. So that's why I started creating memes because mm -hmm. they are short. Um, you can convey a lot of information in those. Um, yeah, so I think I like, I enjoy them mm -hmm. equally, um, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were, at the end, you were touching on saying you connect with people. Like, what do you mean by connecting with your, I guess, subscribers or followers? What do you mean by that? Yeah, it, it, it was during, it was during COVID and, and like, I think all of us felt really alone. I always points. feel alone, so it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> well, extroverts started feeling alone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for the first time in their lives. Uh, right. Yeah, and then um, when I started the page and I started writing about it, I started getting um, direct messages on Instagram. And people were like, oh, this is so me. Uh, thanks for writing this. Like, I feel included. I feel understood. Wow. I feel like people That's were so cool. text, like people were messaging me like, oh, I finally understand why my husband did this or why my brother is doing that or why my mother were like this person. Wow. And, and things like that. I was like, oh, my God, I'm j- actually connecting to people through memes. Such a simple yeah. thing. I would I would I would create a meme, um, a funny meme, and people were like saying, "Oh, this broke my heart. This like I'm crying here." And I was, oh, yeah. I was like, amazing. "Wow, this is yeah, this is so powerful." Yeah, and then, it, it, yeah, it, that gave me the energy to go on and do more stuff, and it was it felt amazing. Yeah, that's so cool, and. Like because it's it's virtual, right? But then, do you still think it kind of help you also to like open up and tell to talk to them about it, or like I don't know, like honestly, I have a hard time connect with people. So whenever you're talking about like open up, I always blew my mind, and then like I couldn't like really fathom the ideas. Like, how do you just like tell people your stuff? Like that. That's why I'm just so I'm in shock right now. Because he is an INFJ. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. because uh, maybe you need to find your own INFJ. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's, that's, that's how you learn how to, you know, open up. Yeah. Actually, INFJs are the most unique type. <laughs> that's why they're alone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Um, okay. In the, in the spirit of opening up, um, <laughs> it's funny. I didn't tell people about my identity until like it was four or five months into my page and I had like around 1,000 followers. Mm-hmm. People still didn't know who I was. I, I just had my name in, in the page. I was It was Ali, the ESFJ guy. But mm-hmm. other than that, people didn't know anything about me. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a bit difficult for me to, to just um, be vulner- that vulnerable. Right. But then... But then people were opening up to me. I was this stranger. They were like messing long messages. They were like, yeah, dude, this is happening to me. And like, I definitely I'm not a therapist, but they just felt like, okay, just to talk to me. And I felt bad not opening up to them. Mm -hmm. I felt bad. Okay, I I have to do something like they, they are being like vulnerable. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if I don't do the same, if I don't reciprocate, people yeah. will feel like they are like I'm a fake. I'm just pretending right. um, okay. to to have this dark side to be vulnerable and stuff. So that's when I started opening up. That's when I started writing about my own fears, my yeah. own issues. And to my surprise, people loved it. Right. They started resonating. Yeah. They started talking with me more. Um, they started like I got more and more followers, and it was just this this beautiful thing. That's amazing. So, is- like, if you don't mind, do you mind sharing what ESFJ like 
what are they like you know what are their like weaknesses what are their strengths like i don't think i know anyone who's esfj um so i would love to know yeah what what are they yeah. like usually um so when you meet an esfj mm-hmm. um for the first time um they are this very friendly people like mm-hmm. too friendly okay <laughs> <laughs> maybe at some points maybe to an uncomfortable level <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. and and we love practical things mm-hmm. very practical things and we mm-hmm. like to tend to other people's needs mm-hmm. so when you meet an ESFJ for the first time it's very very common for them to say do you need any help with anything right that's uh-huh. very common and and i saw myself doing that a lot like mm-hmm. <laughs> i would meet someone in uh holland blueview for the first time they they they're a new student for example and they just came from some country or another city or something yeah and then we would talk for like five minutes and i was like okay if you need any help with anything just let me know uh i'm available like um mm-hmm. so that's and and we have like amazing memory mm-hmm. that like we freak people out with it right. um so i this is one of my guilty pleasures i like to uh ask people's birthdays um uh, like people i meet for the first time mm-hmm. um and i know i wouldn't meet a lot just would steer the conversation towards like their birthday so <laughs> so they would they would uh they would tell me and then i would connect with them like on social media and stuff and then i would tell them happy birthday on their birthday and they would freak out <laughs> <laughs> right cuz right because they don't know like how i remember and mm-hmm. my wife and I would like if she if she were here she would say I would use that to my advantage yeah <laughs> because she she her memory is not really good and then she would tell me <laughs> sometimes you will tell stories that I don't remember but I just because I don't have memory I think you're you're telling the <laughs> you're <truth>. right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good strategy honestly <laughs> yeah um yeah and then on the on the flip side well there are issues there are like big things that might happen if especially if you're um an unhealthy ESFJ or don't know what your weaknesses are um mm-hmm. ESFJs because of their great memory and because they're empathetic they're very empathetic they understand people's pains sometimes better than themselves mm-hmm. it's 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 insane um it can become very manipulative uh um they can become a people pleaser because they always want to attend to other people's needs mm-hmm. they forget themselves um to a point that they become miserable i've been there um that's mm-hmm. one of the things i uh, try to write about a lot because a lot of esfjs almost all the esfjs i met struggle with that they they forget themselves Mm. Um yeah these two especially the people pleaser thing is one of the biggest issues. Yeah. Um we easily we easily forget forget ourselves. Um just uh get enmeshed with the other person in our life whether it's a friend, a family member, 
uh, uh, partner, um, even, <laughs> it's interesting, even we try to please our managers or advisors yeah, yeah, um, yeah. to a very unhealthy point. We want to like, um, we won't tell them about the issues we're having with the thesis um, because we don't want to make them upset, which is insane. Yeah. And I was just curious, because you mentioned like people identify with that as cool, but I guess for you personally, are you obs- not obsessed, but are you like really fixated on like, oh yeah, I'm ESFJ. This is my personality yeah, type. Is it like a core like identity yeah. that you, you like hold? Because cause I, I also like learn about MBTI and I like, you know, I love doing like this, these quizzes, um, you know, for fun, you know, to get to know myself. But I, I'm not like a person who I might you know, like, hold on to my horoscope sign, like, more, like, as an identity, <laughs> which doesn't make sense at all. I I know that, but, like, it's still fun to do it. Then, like, my MBTI personality, but I know there's, like, a whole community of, you know, MBTI people. I, I've met people who are, like, you know, just going around being, like, you're an ENFJ. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Oh, we'll be best friends, you know? Like, I've met people <laughs> like that, and it's, like, super interesting to me. Um, Definitely, I used to think that. I used to think, okay, um, you're an ESFJ. There are certain things you're good at, and there are certain things you're not good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as I started the page and I started talking with other ESFJs and see like some of them doing things that I thought like ESFJs normally shouldn't be doing, I realized, okay, maybe maybe it's wrong to categorize people that way. Right, yeah. And 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 little by little. I started reading on like different personality uh, typings, like mm-hmm. different things about like yeah. uh, there's Enneagram, there is like there are horoscopes, there is human design. Mm-hmm. Like people are very complex. You can't just categorize them Definitely, in, in yeah. four words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being an ESFJ gave me some attributes more than other people. I, I, it's like I, I think that's that's a fact, but it's not that I can't change or I can't improve on the things that I, I don't have or uh, this is it. And I just everything that happens to me, I have to justify it because I'm an ESFJ. This mm-hmm. happened or I do this. And I don't have any control. I, I use it as a justification, as an excuse to do stuff. Yeah. Um, that's actually one of the things I, te- I told people in my in my uh, page mbti is not an excuse to do things yeah absolutely i know there is a huge community of a stereotyping esfjs or like other types online and if you search about esfjs because there are no esfjs that are like they don't have online presence mm-hmm. there's this, this this stereotype of esfjs being dumb really so yeah specific. being like <laughs> It intellectually dumb. That's wait, what? That's so but weird. Why? How? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I will tell you in a minute. But when <laughs> I told you, when I told people that I'm a PhD student, I have a master's degree in engineering. Some of those people who were like thinking as stereotypically, not such as other than that, messaging me like, "You're lying. You sh- you can't be an ESFJ." If you're doing PhD, <laughs> I'm no so confused. Way. Wait, what? That's crazy. So, so twelve percent yeah. of the human population somehow is dumb. You know, like that's crazy. 
exactly. And they were like, yeah, my mom is an ESFJ and she's a, she's a doormat. She's, she's an idiot. She's like, I'm saying like, you are having issues with your mom, obviously. (laughs) Right. Go to therapy, man. (laughs) Go to therapy. You're over exaggerating and you're like over generalizing to 10% of the population saying like all of them are dumb. How is that even? Like, that's even dumb in itself. I know. (laughs) And the reason is, um, the reason is the difference between being a sensor and being an an intuitive person. So, as I said, I'm an ESFJ. We like practical things. Mm -hmm. Um, We usually, when we talk, we give experiences of our lives, exact things that happen to us. Yeah. We give practical advice. We don't go too much into like intuition, into like deeper feelings, abstract thoughts. Yeah. But people who have online presence, they're usually intuitive types. They love oh. abstract ideas. They talk they love to talk about abstract things. Oh. So in in real life, because intuitives are 25% of the population and sensors are 75, intuitives oh. are having a hard time expressing themselves in real life though that's how like they channel their anger into their online uh media so that's why in in their online media they have a mother or a or a a partner that does don't get them because they're a censor so they overgeneralize they say okay all the censors are idiots because they don't understand abstract thoughts and they okay. don't talk in an abstract way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is interesting. I, 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 <laughs> did, I did not know it. that. Yeah, yeah I've never heard of it. Yeah, I just think it's so great that you're doing this. Like, like it doesn't matter if it, like MBTI is like real or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Like, what's important is that you build a community where people, you know, relate and feel validated um, with like with other people and their experiences. I think that's like amazing, honestly. Yeah, that's so cool. And I guess to to kind of wrap up, I guess. You know, you being uh, all this experience that you have, like, you know, being a comedy, a comedian, starting this page, ESFJ, try to connect with people and all that. Like, is there any advice you can give to any supposedly adults out there? Um, every, every time somebody asks me for advice, I'm like, I'm not that old. Give us practical advice. Yeah, practical advice, <laughs> practical ESFJ. Advice. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know this this these past two three years have been like very eye opening for me um i i I guess one thing I can tell everyone that's what I tell my friends i I urge them to do is learn to be more vulnerable um, there is a huge benefit in that we don't know it because we never tried it. We always try to hide. We always try to like show all just the good sides of ourselves. But when mm-hmm. you open up, people see you're actually a normal human being with all the flaws and all the good things that they have. One of the maybe characteristics that I had was all my friends opened up to me. They always opened up to me and mm-hmm. it baffled me. Like, how would they easily open up to me? And I never did. Never. 
I would mm-hmm. never tell them the things I said today about the dark side being mm-hmm. people prisons two years ago would be impossible for me to talk about. And my friends would always open up to me. And I was talking to a therapist and he told me, why not open up to them? Maybe if you open up, they would see how like normal you are as well. And they would open up more. Mm-hmm. They would feel more connected to you. And it was very difficult, but I started with friends who I trusted the most and, and mm-hmm. it worked. It worked. Uh, I built stronger relationships. I started, um, I don't know, more meaningful relationships. Uh, mm-hmm. And they opened up to me. I, I saw this other stronger side of me, which was amazing. And, and if like I, I read this book but, uh, by um, Brene Brown, I love it. I was going to bring her up because that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that was before. Like, that was one of my, like, one of the things that made me become more vulnerable, that book and her her TED Talks. Yeah. And it's it's so powerful, man. It's just, it's it's very, very powerful. And I think especially people who are coming from another country, immigrants, they have a lot of, mm-hmm. like, they have a very hard time opening up for many reasons. One, they want to blend in. Two, there's the language barrier. And three, um, they're just too afraid. They're just, uh, yeah. they're, they're in this new area, which is scary. And then mm-hmm. being vulnerable, they're already vulnerable. And just being more vulnerable and start talking to people about their fears is just too much. But if yeah. if I'm at a place to give advice to other people, which I'm not, but if, if I am, this is one advice I'm going to give. That's amazing. That's a great, that's a great advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for being vulnerable with us today. <laughs> no like, honestly, like we just met. <laughs> I, thank you so much. You trusted us. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's a great. It's thank a great. you for having me. This like you guys make a, like a great atmosphere. And it's just easy to talk to you guys. <laughs> you too welcome. <laughs> Anyways, I guess it's a good place to stop. So, okay. Talk yeah. to you guys later then. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck with everything. Bye. Bye. Bye.